blessing it is to know that we can rest and we can rest completely in the arms of God, in the arms of the one who created us this morning. What a blessing. Um, I have to fess up a little bit. I have a little, <laughs> I need a little help this morning. Alan, do you have your microphone? Okay, uh, when it comes time for the scripture, I need you to read the two verses for me. Typically, if I only have a couple verses, I will read them from my prompter. And I plan to do that, except I didn't put them on my prompter. <laughs> so when it comes time for the scripture, if you'll read James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 for me, I would appreciate it. So Alan, you want to have his, I mean, uh, Norm, you want to have Alan's mic hot for him then. Thank you. With that taken care of, flip to the text this morning. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, as we're going through James, we talked about our passions. And we talked about how we could be driven by our desires, by our passions. Last week, we talked about humility, and we focused on our humility and how important it is for us to understand that it's not about us, that it's all about God, and it's all about what He does for us, and trusting that He will provide our desires, because our desires will equal His. This morning, we want to talk about our words. And we want to talk about how that, in fact, our passions and our pride or our humility direct our words, influence what we say, how we respond to people, what we talk about. So this morning we want to talk about our words and how important our words are. And we've alluded to it a little bit in the opening this morning, but we want to get into that in a whole lot more depth this morning. The title of the message is Judge Not, and we're going to talk about how by our words we actually can judge, and we want to be aware of how we do judge and what judging actually means. As, as I said, we'll be in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, so whenever you're ready, Alan. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your, your neighbor? Okay. Thank you, Al. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for your power to direct our speech. Lord, help us this morning as we seek you in this topic. And we praise you and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you see in your sermon notes, I divided this into two areas this morning. First, we want to talk about the condition. What's the condition basically meaning what's the problem? What's the symptom? And the verse opens with, do not speak evil. James gives us a command. Well, first we want to look at what does it mean to speak evil? The NIV uses the word slander in this place. It says, do not slander each other. When I think of the word slander, I think of something that is maliciously said, but it's also not true. When I think of a slanderous statement, it's something that is false something that is being said about someone or some organization that is simply not true. This morning, 
in the ESV and in other translations, it uses the word speak evil instead of slander. Now, what does it mean to speak evil? Well, basically, to, to bring it into a word that we're very familiar with today is the word gossip. What we're talking about this morning is gossip. And the reality is that gossip isn't necessarily false. What we may be saying may be completely true. But the reality is that truth itself can be evil. It can be evil because maybe it's not something that should be shared. Maybe it's something that has nothing to do with us. For example, it may be true, very true, that someone is cheating on their spouse. It may be true that someone filed for bankruptcy or someone failed to pay their bills. It may be true that someone dropped out of school. It may be true that someone is having trouble in a class at school. It may be true that someone had a fight. You go through the list of things that just fuel the gossip chain, and these things may all very well be true. But I ask, the first question I want to ask you is, does it have anything at all to do with you? How many times have you gotten frustrated with someone, someone else because of something you heard through the rumor mill? How many times? But only later to find out the rest of the story. And it totally changed your perspective on what you heard. I said this in Sunday school class a couple weeks ago, but every story, when it involves two parties, actually has three stories. It has three sides, I guess I should say. It's person A's side, person B's side of the story, and then the truth. And person A and person B may be telling the truth as far as they know, but there may be things that neither one of those people know. Satan has many, many ways to tempt us into speaking evil. He draws on our passions. He draws on our pride. In our flesh, we can be very sensationalistic. How many people are NASCAR fans? You don't have to raise your hands. How many people are racing fans in general? You know, in this state, one of the big focuses is the Indianapolis 500. How many of you watch a race in anticipation of the next crash? We can be very sensationalistic. Our flesh likes to be stimulated. We talked about that a little bit when we talked about our passions. Our pride can also drive us. The reality is, speaking evil of one another, spreading gossip, true or false, is judging a brother. In reality, we're condemning each other. And as I said, oftentimes, it doesn't concern us at all, except we want to be the one with the juiciest piece of information. We want to be the one to shock someone else. Did you know? Did you hear? What do you think about this? 
See, the reality is, even though it's truth, there may be a good explanation. Sometimes there may not be an explanation at all. It doesn't really matter, especially if it doesn't concern us. Sometimes it may be completely true. We may have all the information, and it was simply a sinful act. And I say simply because straightforward. It may very well have just been sin. Oh, but pastor, we shared it as a prayer request. That person needed prayer. Yeah, they did need prayer. And it needed to stop at you. Oh, don't get me wrong. There are prayer requests that should be shared corporately, that should be shared among the body of Christ. (coughs) But there are many that should not. God has a very specific plan for addressing sin. So if you're taking someone's sin to God in prayer, He has a plan for that. He doesn't want it to be part of the rumor mill. He lays it out in Matthew 18. As we know, if you're familiar with that text at all, about the middle of the chapter, around verse 15, the first step is to go to that person. How many of us, when we hear a concern about someone, do we go directly to that person in love, in compassion? Bert read Matthew chapter 7, the first few verses this morning. You guys have heard me say before, it opens up with judge not, for you will be judged by the same standard that you use to judge others. But it goes on to say, first, remove the beam from your eye. Then you will be clear, you will be ready to go and share with your neighbor, because we still have that responsibility. So the first step in biblical discipline, in discipline that has power, to restore and power to strengthen is to go to that person in love one-on-one. Then the scripture says if they don't listen, take one or two other people with you. Prayerfully select some people who you trust to go to that person, to confront them and say, hey, I tried to bring this to you. I brought this to you because I love you and I want to help you to be restored. And now I bring these brothers or these sisters because they stand in agreement with me and we all have a heart for you and want to see you restored. And if they still don't listen, you take it to the leaders of the church. We're at step three. How many times have you heard a sin and you went to one of the elders and said, hey, did you know so-and-so is caught up in this? You skipped a couple steps. You see, this is a body of Christ. This is a priesthood of all believers. The seven of us on the leadership team, the group of elders cannot possibly meet every need in this congregation. There's well over 300 of you. If we work together as a body, there's healing, there's strength in that. I encourage you, and this is kind of a side path, but it's very important because it's the alternative to gossip. The biblical alternative to the rumor mill. That's where the power is. God wants the church to function as a unit function as one organism. You all have the gifts, you all have the ability, you have the power available available to you to minister to each other. Well, the final step 
You take it to the leaders, and if they don't listen to the leaders, then the leaders are to take it to the general congregation, not to embarrass, but to restore. And it's not for the purpose of spreading any rumors, not for the purpose of speaking evil, not for the purpose of slandering that person, but with a desire to restore them. But finally, if they don't respond to that, then we're supposed to turn them over to, to dis, discontinue fellowship with them. Again, for the purpose of bringing them to the bottom of themselves, to bring restoration. This discipline process takes time. In the past, there have been churches that have accelerated this process to the detriment of that, the one they're trying to restore and to the detriment of the church. This process does take time, and it varies. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. To, to guide us and to direct us and to help us. But it's all to be focused at restoration, not destruction of the person who it involves. Nowhere in Matthew chapter 18 does it say, when you hear a rumor, when you hear something about someone else, to go tell every Tom, Dick, and Harry that you see. No offense to Rita and Allen's new grandson. But nowhere in Scripture does it tell us to do that. It tells us to keep everything as close to here as we possibly can. Because it's not for the purpose of destroying each other. Everyone in this room is aware of the fact that we live in a small town, don't we? In this community, it seems like everybody knows everybody, doesn't it? Brothers and sisters, this morning, that could be a powerful asset to us as Christians. We should be able to live out Matthew 18 and walk alongside of each other and restore each other because there should be enough people to keep each of us accountable. We should, we have the possibility to be so blessed if we were each walking in the way that Christ instructs us, challenges us, encourages us, desires for us to walk. But so many times that reality of the fact that everyone knows everybody is horribly misused. I want you to think of an analogy this morning. You guys know that I like to, to do analogies. It helps me, so I pray that it helps you. But I had to think of electrical current. And I don't know how many of you know that I've tried my hand. I'm, I, I'm a little bit of an amateur electrician. And I know that's kind of scary, but I promise you this morning that I don't plan to use any of my skills on the new building out here. I will stay far away from that and leave that to the professionals. But as you think about electrical current, there's two terms we want to look at as far as electrical current this morning. There are conductors and there are insulators. A conductor carries electricity. Typically, you use some type of metal to carry electricity. There'll be a lot of wiring put into that building. There's a lot of wiring in this building. Typically, it's copper. It's relatively inexpensive, and I say relatively compared to other metals, and it is a very good conductor. Aluminum is also used for longer runs if you're bearing a cable because they have to be thicker, but even, even though they're thicker, it's cheaper than copper. Silver is also a metal that can be used as a conductor. Because of its price, it is the 
purest conductor that, that we basically know of. And it is very little resistance to the power flow in it, but it is so pricey that you can't, obviously can't use it in buildings. But they do use it in like sensitive electronics and things that have to have quick responses. I say all of that to just give you a little background of, of what a conductor is. And electricity looks for the path of least resistance. So like I said, silver would be the best, and then there's very little resistance. It'll just carry the current along very quickly. And copper is the next best that, that, we use, that is commonly used. So electricity looks for the path of least resistance. An insulator typically is wrapped around a conductor to ensure that the electricity continues on the path that it was intended. It insulates that electricity from leaving the conductor that it's traveling on. When it comes to our speech, we have a choice as Christians. We can be a conductor that carries information, or we can be an insulator that ensures that the information gets to the destination that it is intended to get to. Think about a breaker box. All the wires coming into a breaker box are in a very confined area. They go to a specific point where they connect to the power source and then they go on to the circuit that they are designed to serve. What if none of the wires going into a breaker box had any insulation on them? What if they were just bare copper wires? When you hit the main switch, you'd have one big boom, wouldn't you? It would short everything out. The insulation, as I said, keeps the electricity on the intended path. If we are an insulator, we keep information on the right path. Going through the avenues that God has provided it for us for the purpose of healing and restoration. If we are just a bare conductor, conductor when it comes to information, we short out the whole system. We end up being like bare wires going into a breaker box. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear this? What do you think about this, as I said earlier? And we destroy. We tear down. We judge. Because the reality is, when we're just randomly and uncontrollably sharing information, people get incomplete information. They get incorrect information. We share and we learn things that have nothing to do with us. Why do we participate in this? Why are we a part of the rumor mill? And I would desire that I could stand up here this morning and tell you that I absolutely do not struggle with this. And I can't tell you that. I'm human. And it is so tempting at times when you hear bits and pieces of information, isn't it? And we'll share in hopes of adding to our information, getting the whole story. But for what purpose? Why do we really need to know? The reality is we don't need to know. We've talked about our options. To pray privately, to go to that person in love. That's really our only options when we hear a piece of information. We don't need to know more. We don't need to tell anyone else. Looking at our large community... We talked about how that community and how the fact that everybody knows everybody can be a benefit. What that does to us as Christians, it takes away a layer of insulation. 
if we weren't so networked, if we didn't know so many people, that temptation would be greatly reduced to tell somebody. We wouldn't have near as many people to tell, would we? And if we did have a few people to tell, they wouldn't necessarily know who we were talking about. What would be the fun in that? So that's one reality of the community that we live in. Our community makes it possible, easier, for us to engage in the sin of speaking evil, in the sin of gossip. It's not the reason for the sin of gossip. Our heart condition is the reason that we participate in the sin of gossip, in the sin of speaking evil. It's a condition of our hearts. We are sinful people. We need to be redeemed. We need to be sanctified. God took care of that. The reality is, in our flesh, letting ourselves go to our flesh, sadly, we find joy in misery. We talked about the car crash. You say, no, I don't want the guy to get hurt. What do you think is going to happen when the car flips end over end? Do we forget about the consequences? In our flesh, sometimes we want revenge. Someone hurt us, so I want to tell everyone what they did to me. I want to tell everyone how they wronged me. Sometimes on the premise of we don't want someone else to get hurt. Well, you have an avenue to try to make sure, to, to try to cause that not to happen again. It's through God's channels, not our own channels. Not through the the power of destroying their reputation, but the path of restoration for them. Another reason we may participate in the rumor mill is because we're insecure. And, oh, this person is held so high. Wait, I got a piece of juicy information on them that will bring them down to my level. So then, by default, if I make people think less of them, that makes them think more of me. I kind of move up the ladder in appearance, when really I don't, but I bring them down to my level. Part of our insecurity, isn't it? There's been a very public example of this in what's been going on with the Duggar family. Won't go into details, but many of you I know, I'm sure, are aware of what's went on with their oldest son. And many people are just rubbing their hands and spiritually licking their lips on how this quote-unquote, and I believe they are, Christian family. And I say it that way because that's what secular society wants to say. See, this is what all Christians are. Pretenders, phonies. And it grieves me for what stain this leaves on their ministry. But the reality is, how hungry are we, are, are we for things like that? Yeah, we can condemn those who are condemning the Duggars. But how often have we found a little bit of rest and a little bit of peace in someone who we saw as more righteous than us, bringing, having been brung down a couple rungs on the ladder? Is that what drives you to participate in speaking evil? Of any of the things I've listed, have they put a finger on something in your heart? Maybe there's something I didn't think of this morning. The reality is, like I said before, 
Satan has a way of prodding us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what buttons to push. And as a result of us participating in the speaking evil, people get wrongly categorized. Their reputation does get tarnished, and in many times, in many places, wrongly, unfairly, they actually get judged. Have you ever been pushed out of a group because of rumors that were spread? This happens a lot, I believe, in school. Maybe you children can relate. Maybe you had a group of friends and one person got started picking on you and started spreading rumors about you. And all of a sudden, you're alienated from the whole group. It doesn't just happen to children. It happens to adults. People can be falsely accused. And as I said, it could be a true story, but not handled in love. You see, to judge someone is to condemn or to issue a verdict against them. You say, well, Kevin, sometimes we have to make a call. Yeah, we do. We have to make judgment calls. We, there's sometimes that there's places that we don't want our children to go because of the fruits of the person that they may be hanging out with. Sometimes we can't put a person in a position of authority because we see fruits in their lives where they are not fit to serve in that position of authority. We have to make calls on things. We have to make judgment calls in day-to-day life. But we have to do those with care. We have to do those in prayer. We have to do that by seeking God, not by embracing the rumor mill, not by feeding off of the, the evil that others may be speaking of this person, or the gossip that may be being spread. I myself wouldn't want to be judged on my weaker moments. I shared with you guys last year about trying to train our little horse and how I exposed things in my heart. I wouldn't want to be finally judged on what was exposed in that session with that horse. I would want someone if to come to me and say, Hey, Kevin, I... I I see something, the way you responded to this, and and I'm concerned for you for that. I would welcome that. I would be blessed by that, and I pray that each one in this room would be. But if I found out later somebody was in the bushes and had told everybody, well, Kevin, Kevin was kind of grouchy with that horse, and they told the whole county before anybody ever told me, that wouldn't settle real well with me. And it wouldn't serve the purpose of restoring me. It would cause me, probably in my flesh, to become angry. Praise the Lord, that didn't happen. But it's a real possibility because it's what we do to each other. If left to ourselves and driven by our flesh, we tend to tell everybody but the person who it actually concerns. Well, if we wouldn't want it done to us, then why do we do it to other people? It goes back to insecurities and pride and selfishness and desire for revenge. It all goes back to that, doesn't it? Well, if that's judging, if that's condemning someone, how do we get from speaking evil? How do you connect the dots between speaking evil and judging the law, as James lays out? Well, first of all, what is the law? We'll go to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16. 
He says, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. He closes the verse with, I am the Lord. You better listen to me, is what he's saying. He's saying, don't speak evil. Don't destroy the life of your neighbor with your words. Going down to verse 18 of that same chapter. It says, you shall not take vengeance. We just talked about vengeance, didn't we? You shall not bear a grudge. Against who? The sons of your own people. But what should you do? Here's the command. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And again he says, I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. I ask you again, do you like being gossiped about? Would you gossip about yourself? Why do we do it to our neighbors? Why do we do it to our brothers? When we speak evil against each other, we are not loving our neighbors. For that reason, by that action, we are judging. We are declaring the law. We are judging the law. We are declaring the law invalid. We're saying, God, we see your law, but we don't see the benefit in obeying it. By our actions, we're saying we don't believe your law. We don't see the validity in your law, so we're ignoring your law. And therefore, judging that law as invalid by our actions. If we judge the law, then we're not a doer. We are not living in obedience to God. Obedience, if you remember, is how we love God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. That's a beautiful promise to wrap it up. His commandments are not burdensome. They will not break us down. They will not weary us. He asks us to follow them. Number one, because he loves us so much and he knows that his commandments are pure and if we follow his commandments, it will go well for us. And also in following his commandments, we are telling him that we love him unconditionally, that we love him enough to know that everything he has laid out is true. Everything he has laid out is good for us. Well, that's the condition. Now let's look at who has the authority to judge if, if the condition is we're judging improperly, we're wrongly judging, then who has the authority to judge? Verse 12 of chapter 4 of James. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that there is one who will cast a final judgment? Who, when sadly, mournfully, 
when we make a decision not to be a child of God, He will, with grief, cast us in to the fires of hell on, fi- on the final judgment day. Do you believe there's one that has that power? Do you believe that there is that final judgment? Whether you believe it or not, there is. But he has made a way that we don't have to, fi- that we don't have to face that judgment. He has that power to judge us, and he will judge us. You say, but Kevin, I believe in a loving God who is welcoming, not condemning, not a judgmental God, but a loving God who loves me for who I am no matter what I'm doing. A God who ignored sin would actually be incapable of love. A God who ignored sin would not be a loving God. If he ignored sin and allowed sin to reign, because it would, his name would be tarnished. He would not have the power. His power would not be displayed. His children who did truly follow him would be persecuted beyond measure. But because there is a final judgment against evil, then there is a final glory for those who follow him. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. What a beautiful promise that is. Remember, Jesus came down out of heaven. He suffered persecution, yet lived a perfect life here on earth. He went to that cross, was crucified, went to the grave, and was resurrected in victory over death to give us the power, to give us the means to pave the way for us to come to Judgment Day and to be ushered into heaven when Jesus said, Well done, good and faithful servant. We have the opportunity to be ushered into heaven because of the sacrifice that Christ made for us because of the good news, because of the gospel. God alone has the authority to make that decision. And He makes that decision for us because His Son stands in intercession for us. Not because we approved or condemned each other, but because His Son paid the price for us. What are your conversations this morning? As you go out into the world, as you interact day to day, what do your conversations involve? The verse I opened with this morning to greet you was Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. We can speak death on each other, or we can speak life on each other. When we speak life to each other, life will be reciprocated. That doesn't mean life's not going to be hard at times, 
but eternal life. But a peace, a joy will be reciprocated to us through the people we come in contact with, through the Holy Spirit ministering to our hearts. When we speak death to each other, when we bring death to each other by speaking evil or slander, gossip, tale-telling, when we speak death to each other, death will be reciprocated to us. Judgment, condemnation will be, recipro- will be reciprocated to us, will be given back to us. We will eat its fruit. Are you hungry for juicy news? Or are you speaking life to those who you come in contact with? Are you being an insulator? Are you taking the information that you're giving it and are you processing it under the plan that God has laid out for us? Or are you pure silver? As soon as you know a piece of information, does the whole world know it? Are you a pure conductor of gossip? A pure conductor of speaking evil? Or are you that insulator? What do you do when you hear something about someone else? Are you choosing to love? Are you choosing to lift them up to the throne of God? Are you choosing to speak life into them? Or are you judging them? That's a challenge, the question I want to leave you with this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. I thank you, God, for the power to overcome. I thank you for the power to speak life, Lord. God, help us each this morning and through our days to speak life, to speak life into each other, Lord, to identify evil speaking, to identify slander. Lord, when we are made aware of situations that we have the boldness, that we embrace the power of grace to lovingly walk alongside brothers and sisters who are caught up in sin, Not to be the one who makes sure the whole world knows. But to be an obedient servant and love them as we would want to be loved. To restore them, to seek to restore them as we would want to be restored. The beautiful gift you give us, what amazing power you give us to act out that gift, Father. We praise you and we thank you for that privilege, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.